0: This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: It's Friday, November 4th. Locked onto Real Talk. We appreciate you being here, Jesperson and Hicks, on this Friday. Good morning. How are you, pal? Oh, welcome to the weekend. I'm ready. It's, uh, yeah, you and I both, uh, okay, and that's a wrap, and we'll see you Monday. Uh, Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. That's it. That's the show. It's an exciting presentation today of Real Talk for those of us that will be joining us via the visual medium as you roll out. This is very exciting for the nerds and the geeks like us. A new camera shot the fish from eye. from Real Talk Mission Control the coming at us eye. through the Fish Eye GoPro lens. You feeling good? You got a big weekend in I'm store? I'm feeling
2: good. I feel like the contrast you know, you gotta mess with the settings, but this gives you kind oh, of an eye. now you're getting really geeky and nerdy, yeah. Get him an eye of what I see kind of Yeah, here. So that's kind of cool. That was
1: our goal. We want to take people behind the scenes. Yeah. It's like a kid on the first flight uh, on, an, on an airplane when the pilots say, come on in here, little gaffer. And they're like, have a look around and you get to see how everything works. Uh, Supriya DeVetti is going to be joining us in just a moment. We're going to talk about uh as I was saying it, as it was coming out of my mouth, I was thinking, gosh, that sounds boring, but it's Supriya, so it's not going to be boring at all, but the fall Never. economic statement. The federal government has released its fall economic statement, and Supriya is an expert in cutting through the BS and cutting through the noise and figuring out what matters and what's significant, and so we'll get into that with her. Plus, I want to ask her a very direct question prompted by an impromptu conversation that we had to wrap up yesterday's episode. Of course, you can find past episodes of Real Talk wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube as well. We're talking about President Joe Biden. We're having a little fun oh, with yeah. the conversation. <laughs> we're we're acknowledging that yeah. the, the president would be 81 years old, will be mm-hmm. 81 years old, seeking re-election, which would mean you could potentially and probably have an 85-year-old commander-in-chief. Mm-hmm. And we're asking if this... Perception would stand in the way of the average American voter giving President Joe Biden a second mandate, sending him back to the question, Oval though. Office. That's even question, though. I think well, it's well, on everyone. Some mind. people were calling it. We noticed when we signed off yesterday, people were calling it ageism. Yeah, that we were questioning whether or not he would be capable, or whether or not the perception would be what? that he was capable or incapable mm-hmm. based on his age. And I want to put that in front of Sapria because I want to ask the, the, the like. I get where people are coming from. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's perhaps a new day and age these days where you look at men and women, uh, octogenarians, people in their 80s that are, that are leading companies or leading organizations or or still involved in politics or what have sure. you. And people say, well, are you still of sound mind? Like, are, 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 you, are, you, are you still up for the job and the challenges that come with grinding it out in, in a job as demanding as president of the United States? I'm curious to know whether or not Sapria will, will, uh, will characterize our questioning of Joe Biden's capabilities as ageism or not.
2: We didn't really question anything, but, you know, in my high school yearbook, it actually says under my name, an ageist who hates art. That's actually how I was. (laughs) At least now you're living (laughs) up to it. (laughs) But yesterday I said, uh, I just said, you know, I brought, I didn't even say anything about that. I said, I know people are thinking about it probably. And then I mentioned how he fell off his bike. And I didn't say he fell off his bike because he's old.
1: You just said he fell off his bike.
2: Yeah, and when you're watching it, you think, man, you know, if that's a 50-year-old falling off their bike, yeah. okay, a uh-huh. 60-year-old, said, but he's, you know, he's 80. Yeah. So I was just worried. Like, an 80-year-old falls off a bike, that that's all I was saying. I wasn't saying, like, he fell off his bike because he's 80. Yes. Um, But I think everyone... Sta- man, when, when Trump got elected,
1: I was like, he's too old.
2: Like, I would love to see someone in their...
1: early 40s
2: mid 50s would be great how about their late
1: 30s yeah you get what i'm getting at here john i don't know about that you want someone who's subtly taking this conversation
2: i think the uh
1: somebody under 40 maybe
2: the potus Uh you definitely want them to to have wisdom right so Mm -hmm. I, i would think you know Over 50, but mid-50s would be great. Someone who's a little
1: spry, you know? Our Real Talk Roundtable today, presented by our friends at Urban Timber, will celebrate, we'll recognize, we'll we'll endeavor to pick the brains of three of the honorees of Edify Edmonton's annual Top 40 Under 40 list. Uh, Really looking forward to this conversation with Dr. Shazman Mathani Coming up, Dr. uh, Rhea Ganguly and Jake Kubiski, the three of them among the 40 honorees in Edify's annual list of Edmonton's top 40 under 40. It's going to be a great conversation. What makes them tick? How do they perceive the world around them? What do they make of the honor? How did they get there? What motivates them? What inspires them? What troubles them? Should be a great conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Based on our exchange yesterday and the response from from some of the audience members that were talking about whether or not it's ages, and I will, and I like we're having a little bit of fun with this. Uh, First of all, uh, I'm going to kind of dig my heels on the. I I think it's okay. I think we're all at a point. I think, think we can acknowledge it's okay to refer to somebody in their 80s. As a little bit older, mm-hmm. I'm going to claim. Well, somebody it. Gonna commented that we here. should be able to to, to, to recognize yeah. that somebody in their 80s is a little bit older. Yeah.
2: Somebody said people under 50 can't have wisdom. I didn't say that at all. Of but course, like, you, didn't. you want you want experience, and you you want like obviously when you said you know late 30s or whatever. I don't know about that, but like
1: why not? All I
2: was saying is that you know our last two presidents have been really fucking old.
1: <laughs> their last two presidents, yeah, they have. Well,
2: their leader, the free why. world. You it's, get why, but it's
1: not always the yeah. case. You look at other countries, like you look at you know some of the some of the global leaders. I mean, look at Canada, right? The prime you know prime minister, whoever it's going to be uh, next election. Trudeau says he's going to run again for mm-hmm. the Liberals. Uh, you, you've got uh, obviously Pierre Poilievre, uh, Jagmeet guy. Singh, are probably the three. You know, like, like I, don't, I don't see anybody coming up through the Green Party that's going to win this or anything like that. All relatively young people. And uh, and I think that in politics, it, it probably serves you well to have that little bit of energy. Let me say though, based on our conversation yesterday, and we'll get into this. We'll launch off with Supreme in just a second. But based on our conversation, I've I've told you before, I'm a big fan of the podcast Smartless, mm-hmm. starring Jason Bateman and Will Arnett you and Sean me Hayes. That one. Yeah, That's it's great. such a great show. And uh, so they had they had Potus on one of their most recent episodes. They had President Joe Biden on. So I listened to it yesterday. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to get all of you jealous with how how sexy and, and and just sort of like fabulous my life is off camera. <laughs> no, but John, it's... I was I was listening to this podcast as I folded laundry yesterday, mm. and uh, and POTUS is on there, and Biden's on there, and it was a great interview. Yeah, like he he's he's a he's a obviously an astute and smart and experienced politician. I never said he wasn't elected To the U.S. Senate at twenty nine years of age. Yeah. Has couldn't an even swear career. in. Yeah. You, had to, you had to be 30 to swear in. So he got elected at 29, swore in when he turned 30, mm-hmm. and he's had a life of public service. He's obviously been a university professor and things like that as well. Uh, but it, but it got me. I got me kind of thinking because we wanted to fairly evaluate. You know where he's at. He mm-hmm. had that. He had that kind of a, an interesting sixty minutes interview where he, he kind of stammered a little bit when well, he was the, asked if he was of sound mind. And let's
2: just address that he does have a speech impediment. Sure,
1: and this is not it's the same thing. Like a speech impediment.
2: When people mock Trudeau how he talks, and I'm like, well, this guy was raised. His first language was French, so I'm guessing like when you're French, you're thinking in French, and then you're trying to translate in English.
1: I don't think he's still at that point. Do you?
2: But do you, you know what I mean. So people make fun of him when he says um and ah, and I I don't. I don't get with that either. And so I wasn't saying anything yeah. about his speech impediment. I was simply saying, and we brought it up later, like, isn't there a certain age when you're driving, when you have to go, when you reach a certain age, you have to go and take a test.
1: Yeah, every year. To make past sure. You a certain birthday. Yeah. I don't know, it seventy seventy five, 70, 75, maybe something like that, I yeah. think. Yeah, so and you gotta if you're go have your years driver's old test every year,
2: and you've got your finger near the nuke buttons, what, uh, is a test yeah. a year to see if you're mentally sound, you know?
1: It's a fair question. It's a fair question.
2: I'm sure so, Biden goes to the doctor. I'm sure the president has, you know, physicals and yeah. mental fitness. I mean, there all are the people time, there but- are
1: people that are 45 or 50 in horrific condition. Right. And there are people in their 80s. That are completing marathons. 100%. So age is all relative. I mean, Eve Haas is saying on our live chat, old is a relative term, 100%. Mm-hmm. Somebody yesterday, as we were signing off, I saw somebody, it was on the chat right before we signed off, somebody said, 80 is the new 60. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we treat 40 like the new 20, mm-hmm. I hope. You know, we continue to try to give off that vibe. Having a good solid energy, but but the question is, what does it do to voter perception? That's what we were talking about yesterday. Mm-hmm. To be president of the United States, you got to be. I mean, I think the last election it was something around fifty-five million votes ish, approximately 53, 55, something like that. So you, you got to convince fifty-five million voters, fifty-five million Americans that that you're up for it. And uh, and and does age get in the way? We'll ask Supri about that. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. I can't
2: wait to hear what she says after listening to. Yeah. Us knuckleheads.
1: Yeah, well, but but this is how real people talk, right? This, uh, this is kind of one of the things I think I hope people wrap their minds around this show She's and laughing this podcast. Already. She's laughing yeah, right now. This is how real people talk. Uh, These okay. are called real conversations. These are the conversations people have at bars and coffee shops and on the uh, you know in the stands at, at at minor hockey games. This is how people talk, like it or not. Mm-hmm. And so this is what political strategists look at as well. And we'll get into this with Sapria DeVetti in just a second. These conversations happen because of amazing spot like our friends at Athabasca University. You know, there's no better time than right now to take that degree or that master's program. Go to athabascau.ca for more information. If you've been thinking about going back to school, Athabasca University, a great option for you. Why? Because you can choose from 35 different online master's and doctorate programs. And the only commute is to your device. How great is that? Athabasca is designed to fit your life. For ambitious people everywhere, looking for more flexible approaches to higher education, take your education to the next level. Athabasca University is Canada's anyone, anywhere, anytime open university for advanced learning. At Friesen Brothers, 16 different Alberta locations, they've been in the business since 1955, still family owned, asking that question. They are every day, what's for dinner? You can check out the link at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N. What's for dinner tonight? Well, it's Ivan's sweet German sausage and potato soup. Or why not try garlic butter Alberta pork chops? You can click the link to check out the recipe and, of course, head to your local Friesen brothers to grab those fresh, locally sourced ingredients. What's for dinner? The question Friesen brothers has been answering for more than 65 years. Alberta grown and Alberta owned our friends at local environmental are going to be sponsoring trash talk a little bit later on today but we are going to be talking a lot about another one of our sponsors today well why their ceo is going to be joining our real talk Roundtable. it's jake kubiski the founding ceo of kubi renewable energy now we're going to hear jake's story if you're not familiar with it yet a traditional oil and gas electrician that on vacation with his now wife had an epiphany Well, he was sitting on the beach, started thinking about solar, started thinking about the future of energy. These days, they've got a staff growing across Western Canada, a Tesla certified installer working in residential, commercial and industrial applications. You can get your free quote today at KubiEnergy.ca. Sapriya Devetti every single Wednesday, joins me as we put out Canada, one of Canada's most downloaded weekly podcasts talking about national news and federal politics. You can check it out at seriouslypod.com. She is the straw that stirs the drink, and she joins us right here on Real Talk every Friday. Sapriya Devetti, it's great to see your face, my friend.
3: Always good to see you. And Johnny was absolutely right. I was laughing uh, already as okay. you guys were, we're talking and were having that back a, and forth.
1: Yeah, enjoying watching us yeah. uh, dig ourselves a new hole after yesterday's.
3: No, but like I don't know. I don't think you guys dug yourself a hole. Like, are you going to ask me the question? Yeah, <laughs> I don't either. Is yeah, I just, I, <laughs> I
1: don't either. It's like like it, it, is we got we got to be careful now. Whether we're going to call eighty five old? Sorry, like it or not, it doesn't matter where your sensitivities are. eighty fives old. Like it just yeah, of is. Of course it's
3: old. It's old. Like I yeah, you know, I think I'm old right now. Like <laughs> I'm once definitely you once old. you Yeah, like once you tip over, I think um the side of your hangovers just being bad after like a couple of glasses of wine. Uh-huh. Um, you're old, you know what I mean? If your back hurts, you're old. Um, if you're complaining about going to a bar and the music being too loud, yeah, you're old. Like, I don't know. it's, uh, we have this weird thing with age where, you know, we pretend to be perpetually young, but it creeps up on you. And I think there's nothing wrong, particularly in the context of talking about uh, the American president, Um, The the most powerful person in the entire world, um, whether or not they have the mental uh, fitness uh, or acuity to to have that kind of a job. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, And I think it's a it's a fair question and it's a question that like it or not, the average voter is asking. Like you like it or not, if if for no other reason uh, than whether or not that elected political leader will make it to the end of term. So that maybe even makes the running mate uh, a little bit more of an intriguing like you're going to look at Kamala Harris, for example, and and suggest like I I don't I'm a little uncomfortable saying things like this. But like if we elect somebody in their 80s to office, there is like a decent chance that they're going to pass away during the term. Right. I mean like that's, yeah zero can, can
3: percent chance can we yeah, talk exactly. about like
1: real life things like people actually die when they get old oftentimes so then you start to look at the, the the potential vice president and say well how you know we evaluate this person based on whether or not we'd be comfortable with them being in the American context commander-in-chief
3: yeah totally and I mean look it's also you talked about the mental fitness and I mentioned that too but it's also the 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 you have to figure like if you are that old, Do you have as vested of an interest in some of the longer term issues? I'm thinking particularly about climate change. Right. So if you're not going to be around um, when shit really starts to hit the fan, um, do you care about it enough? And are you taking the issue seriously enough? And that's just one issue. There are plenty of others. Right. That are looming on the horizon. Um, And I think those are all fair questions to ask in the Canadian context anyway. Um, It's worth noting that if you're like a judge, they boot you out once you're 75. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there's a like there's a reason why um, we we tend to do that. Um, And I don't think there is anything wrong with acknowledging um, that as you age, um, things don't tend to work as well as they once did. And, yeah. you know, of course, age is relative. Um, I'm for sure in worse shape than a lot of women in their 50s, 60s, right? Um, that's just uh, that's just a reality. Um, but oh, I, I don't on. think we can... Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. I'm lazy, man. I need <laughs> to get my ass on a treadmill. That's what that's what it comes down to but yeah um i don't know it's uh yeah i think people we don't need to be super sensitive about stating the obvious yeah right? and I'm, and, I'm not
1: gonna be like uh, yeah i just yeah. like yesterday people were like you can't it's not fair to talk about it's like uh, sorry if we've reached the point in, in 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 the public sphere where we can't acknowledge that people in their 80s there might be concerns around the whether or not they're up for the job then i'm not participating in conversations anymore like i'm not going yeah. there yeah, that's i was it. looking forward yeah. to this with you speaking of lazy so carrie my wife says to me just the other day she says I think she says I think we'd get more use out of our Peloton uh, if we actually brought it up into the bedroom. If we cleared some space and brought but, it up into the bedroom, and the only thing I could think of is how much work it would be to carry the Peloton up the stairs.
3: Ryan, <laughs> I just got a Peloton and I demanded that my husband ensure that it was set up in the bedroom for this yeah. exact reason because I, t- I was not going to go down to the basement to use it.
1: When <laughs> I have not been going down to the basement to use it, that's the problem. I took mine
2: up. Down the stairs, we took it to Kelowna, back. We just sold it a month ago.
1: Johnny! <laughs> It's the most expensive it's actually the most beautiful and technologically advanced uh laundry hanging drying rack yeah, yeah. that you're ever gonna buy. So congratulations on that front. Yeah, maybe I'll do that this weekend actually. I'll probably look for pats on the back. Just follow me on Instagram and watch for my stories as I lift the Peloton up and up and down the stairs. Have you been paying attention to this this story Canada Land first broke it and now a, a bunch of journalists are, are chiming in on it. In particular, uh in Western Canada, Sabria, the Alberta story about this Calgary uh conservative plot this 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 uh, they're calling it operation peacock uh to entrap and oust then mayor ned nenshi in a big store con scheme this is david wallace going on the record saying that he he worked or collaborated with some pretty high profile calgarians some pretty high profile conservatives uh, to try to get calgary's mayor to take the bait on what they were uh presenting as russian dark money you've been following this story
3: yeah, not as closely as I probably should. If I'm being quite honest, I mean, I did see when Canada Land broke it. Um, I saw uh, you know the former mayor sort of chime in um, uh, to give his his remarks uh, after the fact, but. Um, a lot of the names to me uh, that were mentioned in that Canada Land story, like if I'm being honest, I had to Google, right? Like, a, yeah, uh, they weren't necessarily household names to to myself, but it's pretty wild um, just as a, a general concept. And, you know, if we're talking about folks losing uh, trust in institutions and in politics more generally, I mean, shit like this is really going to um, sour people, I think, to know that folks that are working on the inside are this, um, I don't know, dubious, shady. Like, I don't know how you want to qualify it, but it's That's exactly uh, not it. great. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's exactly it, and and we we were kind of chiming in on it yesterday, and I, I, I we received some curious feedback uh, from from people that were sort of implying that we were trying to sweep this story under the rug by questioning the credibility of the so called whistleblower. People are saying, this guy, this David Wallace, this so-called fixer, he presents himself as a fixer and he grants these interviews. It's not the first time he's done it. He's been looking to make himself famous several times over the past few months on different stories as this fixer that's been involved in all these schemes involving these high-profile or behind-the-scenes influential conservatives, right? And I'm saying yesterday, I'm just basically saying, like, how good of a fixer are you, first of all, if you're always on yeah. the front page of the paper as a fixer. Uh, 100%. Yeah. you know, And I'm assuming that he's retired from fixing because I don't know who in their right mind would work with this guy again after he's sharing dms with the media and spilling the beans and telling the stories i question the credibility the motivation of this guy like you know with regards to what he's doing and why he's doing it but it is a wild story and it's got me thinking or wondering how frequent uh or how often these types of things happen like as a mayor like Ned nenshi i was joking yesterday with johnny saying if somebody shows up in my workplace with with big envelopes of cash like I'm taking them. Um, that's why I'd probably one of the reasons why I'd be a terrible politician, because I would be the first on the take. Uh, but you wonder kind of, you know, how often these types of things go. This, this is like the the kind of stuff that they write movies about. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. I mean, I want to say that I think they're not as, frequent as perhaps you would think they would be in like an ABC primetime drama. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's it's worrying um, the degree to which this guy does tend to pop up in these stories. And he can't be the only one doing it. Um, and I I think that's bad. And I don't mean to sound like, I don't know, like naive and like a cockeyed optimist about about this. But you'd want to think that the folks that are working um And politics are doing it for the right reasons. Right. And that they have the right motivations and that they don't necessarily resort to things like this. But like, of course, I think this thing inevitably tends to happen more often than we'd like. Um, And particularly, you know, when we're talking about um, some other nefarious folks like this guy's at least a local Um, who is trying to entrap the former mayor into like, but what happens if it's like actual foreign interests that are the ones doing it? And, you know, they're approaching um, folks that are local here um, that unbeknownst to them they're the ones being like worked as like you know stooges essentially for, for foreign interests and I think that's also probably worrying too and probably happens uh, more often than we would um, like to admit or yeah. even talk about.
1: Yeah I mean a, a, a couple of real schlops uh, Calgary city councilors this, this is Joe Magliotti guy Sean Chu who's just like I don't know whatever no. I'm not going to sit here and just whatever but this guy's an, an absolute disgrace right an alleged pedophile basically a disgraced former police officer uh, you know the guy got elected because the story of of his disgraceful conduct as a police officer had not been made public until literally hours after he was elected and he refused to resign. I'll never forget, we talked to Calgary's mayor, Dr. Jody Gondek, the morning after that election, and she was already... Like, there were people, even the mayor was like, saying at that point, her position was like, not going to attend his swearing-in ceremony. That's how bad it is. And now now that Sean Chu, again, he's implicated, having signed this letter inviting this uh, Russian ambassador to Calgary without the knowledge the mayor didn't even know about it. They're inviting this Russian ambassador, now Sean Chu on the record, being asked about it, saying, Yeah, I did sign the letter. The letter's legit. And he says, But I had no involvement in Operation Peacock. And obviously, people can take Sean Chu at his word, because if there's anything he's established. He's got he's a man <laughs> of integrity for sure. So just I think that what we should do is probably leave this story alone. We'll just believe everybody at their word. David Wallace seems like an above. Board Very trustworthy kind of a guy for sure, along with the Calgary City Councilors. And I'm sure that the business interests here named had had, had nothing, no involvement, nefarious other or otherwise. So we'll just leave this story alone, supreme and proceed with confidence that our elected officials are behaving exactly how we would expect them to. The fall economic statement yesterday delivered (laughs) by the federal government. Uh, And these are the types of things where I said earlier in the show, I put all the pressure on your shoulders. I I said, this is honestly such a mind-numbingly boring bit of subject matter, but people should and probably do care about it in all seriousness. What jumped out at you yesterday? What do you you look for with an update like this?
3: Yeah, so I think you have to look at like the upshots or what are there. So, I mean, it is, I agree with you, a kind of like a mind-numbingly boring subject, but I think it's worth noting that you know, when you're looking at some of the larger numbers and your eyes do tend to gloss over because they're ridiculous numbers, um, you know, the we're looking at quite a large deficit, right? I don't think anybody's um surprised by that. Like the deficit's now at like a little over 36 billion. Um, it is like 16 billion less than I believe they had initially uh, projected back in April, but it's still, you know, not great. And a whole lot more than I think what the uh, some more fiscal responsible, fiscal minded people would would, would want. Um, But in terms of the priorities, I think there are a couple of good nuggets in there. I mean, they're going to be doubling the GST rebate. um, And the finance minister did point out that that was going to be uh, in effect, like as of today, I believe, Um, a bunch of new housing measures. And, you know, I think what's interesting here in particular, um, and this benefits my own sort of uh, self-interest, but retrofits uh, to help uh, aging disabled or canadian multi-generational um, households i think i've mentioned i live with my in-laws so that's mm-hmm. uh, an interesting little nugget um, and then student loan forgiveness on debt which i thought was interesting so that sorry the interest rather on um on, on on student loan from the federal prospect but that's also received quite a bit of criticism um from folks uh who have pointed out that it's a bit of a regressive policy it doesn't necessarily help the folks that are you know, obviously currently students, it's graduates, and yeah. they tend to be in a better economic position um, than yeah. others. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's all important if for no other reason, you know that the opposition is going to be hammering the government on it. Um, so it's uh, important to know, I think, some of, even though it's boring, it's important to know some tidbits every now and again. Do
1: you do you have a, a strong position on, on student loan forgiveness? I mean, like there, there's there's interest and then there's, there's the actual loan. <laughs> Uh, do you, we, we've talked about this like at different points through this show's history as it, seems the the political cycle or the news cycle dictates it and, it and it comes up in conversation. Obviously, the United States has taken some steps on this and it's prompted more international conversation about whether or not post-secondary institutions should be more robustly supported with public dollars or, or even whether or not it should be free. I mean, there are some Scandinavian or, or European models where post-secondary institutions uh, are basically free, removing a lot of the barriers to access.
3: They don't. They they do that, but then a lot of those countries don't they also make you serve in the army after? Yeah,
1: like, and their taxes are, are like 10 15 percent higher than than yeah. pay elsewhere. So, so like I mean, if, if, if you want to go to university
3: for free, go to Royal, go to RMC, don't they? You you can go for basically free, and then you just ser- serve afterwards. Yeah, but do, um, what,
1: what, what do you think about the idea? I mean, like if you if you I look mean, at like who like if you, if you look at who is impacted. Uh, by by cost barriers to post-secondary learning, um, it's demographically speaking, it's a lot of the groups that are marginalized in other contexts as well. And if you remove yeah. the cost barrier, uh, if you want to talk about equity and inclusion uh, with regards to access to post-secondary institution vis-a-vis opportunity, I think that's probably where you start or at least one of the places.
3: Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. So let me just preface this entire conversation by saying that I think education, post-secondary education, whether we're talking about colleges or, you know, trade apprentices, apprentice programs or university uh, programs, that it should be extremely affordable. And I say this as somebody who did their entire post-secondary. I mean, all my education was done in Quebec um, and it was very affordable, um, both my undergrad and, you know, the two law degrees that I have. Um, But That's also relative,
1: right? That's a relative statement, affordable.
3: It was yeah. affordable for you. Well, I mean, y- sure. What do you think McGill tuition was when I was there? Oh, geez,
1: I don't know. I'm old. Okay, I have no idea so, what tuition is now. But what was? Was it like or something? Yeah, I don't like that? really know
3: what it is. What it is now either. If I'm being honest, but I mean, when I was um, there, it was like twenty eight hundred dollars for the year. For the year. Yeah.
1: Wow. And then books so you'd be in for like 4 grand or something like that a year. So to get um, a degree for a little approximately- bit maybe
3: a little bit lower in terms of books. Okay. Um, but I also was in science so I had like lab fees and stuff. I think they were added on to that. Mm-hmm. Um but like affordable. is um, That's sort of what I mean. And, you know, I think you and I have also joked quite a bit that we're both uh, doctor kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like our, our parents are doctors. I was very much expected to go to med school and I didn't. Mm-hmm. I basically went to law school so I wouldn't have to go to med school. And I get asked quite a bit from younger kids being like, should I go to law school? And I was like, look, I went to law school um, and I was able to dick around in law school because it was so affordable and because I wasn't worrying about what that was going to do, um, you know, incurring that debt, what that I was going to do to my future. And if you don't necessarily see yourself as like wanting to take a corporate law job as soon as you're done articling um, and you've racked up a ton of law school debt, that can be incredibly uh, hobbling for what your, you know, future opportunities are or what kind of jobs you have to take in order to to, to make that back. So I think, you know, you are right that um, affordability is, of course, a relative term. Um, but I think, you know, more provinces should aim to uh, deliver post-secondary education in a manner um, that it's as, you know, fiscally feasible to have it as affordable for as many people as possible and Mm -hmm. i'm also a big fan of like the quebec cgep system um which is like after you're done high school you can enter into everybody goes to cgep it's like a two-year if you want to go to a university um three-year undergrad afterwards because our undergrad is also a year shorter okay um but they also have three-year programs and cgeps tend to be at least again in my day like when i went to dawson Um, Your tuition was like a couple of hundred bucks um, a semester Hmm. Um, and it makes it a lot more affordable. And I feel like if the rest of Canada knew the ins and outs of how affordable a lot of post-secondary education in Quebec was, they'd be uh, clamoring for a little bit of it more in their own provinces.
1: Yeah, Quebec is the new Norway in Alberta. (laughs) Um, Everybody used to spend all their time comparing uh, Alberta's uh, Heritage Savings Fund to Norway's what do they call it like the sovereign trust or something like that yeah. and, and and people that kind of actually understand how it all works would tear their hair out uh, being like it doesn't make sense to compare Norway a country uh, to Alberta a province with regards to its yeah. obligations to the rest of Canada and what Alberta has done with its with its oil and gas related or energy related wealth uh, and and now it seems that everybody in Alberta wants to compare Alberta to Quebec and they're looking across Canada, and, and, and I mean, the conversation's largely driven by Alberta's new premier, Danielle Smith, who, who said to us on this show that one of the first things she was going to do was contact Premier Legault. She said, maybe I'll get a few tips. Uh, I don't remember her exact words on basically how to deal with Ottawa, or a few tips on how to get a good deal with Ottawa. And I just want that conversation to be a fulsome one, to be an accurate one. If we're going to endeavor to be more like Quebec, then let's take a look at taxes in Quebec let's take a look at robust social programs in Quebec if you want to have an apples to apples comparison then some things are probably going to change here and if people want to have that conversation that's all fine and well that's good that's great but you can't just sort of say we want to keep taxes low we want to keep uh, government surplus high and we want all the social programs and the benefits that come with it it's just kind of not how it works
3: Can I just add one last thing with that Alberta needing wanting to be more like Quebec thing? I mean, a good reason of or a good chunk of the reason why um, federal various iterations of federal governments, whether we're talking conservative or liberal, tend to listen to Quebec, aside from all of the constitutional carve outs that they that Quebec legitimately does indeed have, is the fact that they don't vote for the same party over and 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 over again. Um, so their needs are listened to if you're only ever voting for one party, why would the other parties ever take any of your demands seriously? Um, that's just like a rule of thumb. Um, but Quebec, you know, they'll vote block, they'll vote NDP, they'll vote liberal, um, uh, in, in areas outside of the island of Montreal, they'll very much vote conservative. Um, so I don't know. Like you're going to listen as a political party if that's the case, um, because you want their votes.
1: Yeah. Uh, this This next election in Alberta, we, we talked about polling yesterday from Janet Brown. She's a, a very reputable pollster out of Calgary. Uh, people can check her out on Twitter at Planet Janet YYC. Uh, it shows there's going to be a horse race. Like there, it's going to be a legit, hard-fought, competitive election. At least it looks like it's eventually to be provincially speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Next then, May. Uh,
3: but federally, how many seats do you think the Liberals or the or the NDP are getting? As, like Where? in as Alberta, yeah,
1: two, yeah. Heather yeah. McPherson will win again in in uh, Edmonton Strathcona and and. Uh uh, Blake Desjardins will probably... Well, well, he will win again in edmonton by he's, he's actually a phenomenal... This guy's a, 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 an emerging force. I'm a huge fan of his, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm not saying that I'm going to vote federally for the NDP, but I like that. If I lived in that riding, I would vote for him. I can vote yeah. for the... I, I, like, I, I'll i vote for the person over party if that person is really compelling and if I think they'd be a phenomenal MP, uh, he would have my vote, um, although I'm not necessarily a big fan of the federal policy of that party, but I digress. Doesn't matter. We are taking you into overtime. I've yeah. got three... Top 40 under 40s in the bullpen right now. So we're going to let you go. Uh, Sapria Devetti is obviously uh, the biggest part of Seriously, which is out every Wednesday. Don't roll your eyes. You know it's true. <laughs> you can check it out at seriouslypod.com. You can download it wherever you get your podcasts, and we're on YouTube as well. Have an amazing weekend, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week.
3: Sounds good, Ryan. Thanks,
1: Sapria. You bet. You can follow Sapria on Twitter, and of course, you see her on Power and Politics, and you read her in like all of Canada's national publications. And and we're basically big
3: fan. Big started. fan.
1: Big fan. Big fan of Sapria Um <laughs> I'm going to ask just just very politely. I would very rarely ask anybody to buzz off. But I'm just going to ask, there's a, there's a there's a real talker by the name of, is it Graham? Is it Graham in our chat? I think it's Mr. Doody. Is, is, is Duty? it Mr. Duty? Is it Graham Duty? Doty? Graham Duty is my personal trainer. He's a phenomenal guy. <laughs> but I'm asking him to buzz off with his suggestion in the live chat that we get a treadmill in the Real Talk studio. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea, uh, Graham. And we do not agree. We do not agree. We get our intellectual workouts here in the Real Talk studio. I just know that that's coming. He's going to he's gonna drop one off here. He's going to carry it up the stairs I here know. with one hand. He's going to lift it with one hand, this treadmill probably, and drop it off in here. And then he's probably going to have some sort of an accountability program where you and I are going to have to log yeah, like and then 30 minutes. like a checklist. Uh, uh, just uh. Graham it's Friday it's Friday. <laughs> uh, it Pelotons all says this. belong in the gym. Yeah I should I should call this up just to do him a solid because he he honestly is a, just a phenomenal guy and if you go to grahamduty.com that's d o o d y uh, you can find out exactly what Graham does he's got this great rowing initiative you go to the drop down menu and you check it out he, he does personal training executive coaching and then you click on engine room is this indoor rowing team so you, mm-hmm. you, you can, it doesn't matter where you live um, if, if you like like John and I have exercise equipment that's gathering dust if you in particular you have a rower uh, <laughs> and you want to have some accountability and the, and, and the coaching that, that comes with that sort of team atmosphere you can check out GrahamDuty.com and click on engine room home. But seriously, we're not getting a treadmill in the Real Talk studio. No. It's just, it's, sorry, great, It's just not a fit. We don't have room for... I, I would. When I, would, I get off work, I mean, I, would, I don't want to get on the treadmill. It's all you and I can think about is working out and exercising. <laughs> but just unfortunately, we just don't have the space. You know, it's
2: just not in the
1: budget. It's just not in the budget, and we just don't have the <laughs> space. Our Real Talk RJ hashtag is powered by our friends at Park Power. They are your friendly local utilities provider. What utilities you ask? I'm glad you did. It's electricity, natural gas, and internet. And chances are, if you're not partnered with Park Power right now, quite frankly, my friend, you're paying too much. You can compare rates today. It takes about two minutes. Find out what you would be paying if you were to sign up at parkpower.ca. And when you click that orange sign up link at the top of the page, don't forget to use the hashtag. or No, the promo code 2022 talk. Why? It knocks $70 off your first bill. They don't joke around you always find people that are like save five dollars park power is like save 70. use the promo code 2022-realtalk at parkpower.ca at st albert and sherwood dodge if your weekend plans include shopping for the vehicle that's going to keep you safe on the roads this winter they've got the best selection of north america's best-selling suv guaranteed it's the jeep grand cherokee you can check out the 2022 models right now uh, online, they've got some great tools, including an opportunity to chat directly with a member of their sales team from the comfort of your own home. Plus, they're taking pre orders for the 2023 Dodge Hornet. Everybody's talking about that. You can check it out at Sherwood Dodge and St. Albert Dodge.com. At Apex Automation, they want to let you know if you are a professional engineer seeking fulfillment, you're sick and tired of where you're working, they don't appreciate you. Plus, they are working you overtime, you're not seeing your family and you're not even sure that you appreciate the clients or they appreciate you, you know what I mean? You just, the motivation's gone. This is your sign. This is your time to go to apexautomation.ca. They've been opening offices across Canada and down into the Southern United States to be closer to their clients. They value the people power, the personal relationships that drive this team, and you can find them online. The careers link is at apexautomation.ca. And every Friday, our Real Talk Roundtable is presented by our wonderful friends at Urban Timber Reclaimed Wood Company. The table that I sit at every weekday morning is manufactured by the team at Urban Timber. Ours is a white oak tabletop filled in with epoxy. Your custom vision may be entirely different. They've got a brand new showroom open right now. They're going to be open on Saturday, and they would love to see you there. It's at the time of year right now. If you get this order in right now, there's a very good chance that your family could be gathered around your new table from Urban Timber in time for the holidays. I'm telling you, it's a game changer, aesthetically and otherwise. Urban Timber, a proud partner of the Real Talk Roundtable let our in-house bass player finish that riff
2: (laughs) took me three tries to get that urban timber video up yeah i thought you did a good job i think you did a really good job there (laughs) the
1: people on the podcast would have no idea john i'm gonna get a coffee no idea when you
2: start this round table you
1: grab a coffee as i introduce these three these are movers and shakers we're talking of course about this uh issue that is just out uh this is edify edmonton's annual list of the city's top 40 under 40. These are individuals that are making a huge impact in the world around them, uh, meeting and exceeding expectations and we're thrilled to welcome three inspiring individuals to our roundtable this morning they have just been able to announce like literally in the last 48 hours or so that they're on this list and I suspect we're going to see the excitement abound Jake Kubisky, as mentioned is the founding CEO of Kubi Renewable Energy of course a proud partner of Real Talk and one of Edmonton's top 40 under 40 we're gonna hear Jake's story in just a moment Dr. Shazma Mathani has been an unbelievable friend of this show. She's an inner-city ER doctor, and her social media involvement and outreach is one of the reasons why she's landed on this list. I'm really looking forward to picking her brain about that. And rounding out our uh, Top 40 Under 40 roundtable this morning, she's the Associate Vice President of Strategy and Innovation at the University of Alberta. We're going to talk about what tech transfer is today with Dr. Rhea Ganguly. Uh, To the three of you, welcome to the show. Uh, Doctor, I want to make sure that I'm pronouncing your name name correctly this is the first time you and i have spoken did i do okay
4: you did well thank you (laughs) oh
1: hey well congratulations to the three of you uh and and welcome uh to to, i mean this is i i guess probably there's pre-top 40 under 40 and there's post top 40 under 40 because now everybody's going to expect that much more from you Uh, dr ganguly (laughs) what does it mean to wind up on this list
4: Oh, it's such an honor. Um, I just think it's such a fantastic group of individuals. I see two of them in front of me today, so it's nice to meet both of you. I think this is the first time we're all meeting. Um, but you know, it's, it's a list of innovators. It's a list of people who are movers and shakers here within the Edmonton community. And it's just such a fantastic honor to be among, uh, those types of people. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here today. So thank you.
1: No, uh, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Mithadi, we've, we've spoken to you several times on this show through the course of the pandemic. You have, uh, uh, really quite frankly done an unbelievable job, uh, uh, with regards to educating the public, I think in, in a, in a non and fact-based manner. We, we see you as, the sort of steady influence of informed public discourse around public health, but one of the trends I've noticed when you're on the show, you're always very quick to point out the contributions that your colleagues have made. You're always you're always very quick to shrug off the praise and recognize the contributors around you, uh, in and outside of, of the hospital. But you can't avoid it today. Uh, you must accept the congratulations <laughs> on Edmonton's top 40 under 40 list. What does that mean to you?
5: Well, thanks, Ryan, and thanks for having me today. Um, it's you know, it is really an honor. Uh, when I got the phone call back in July, it was certainly a surprise. And and um, now to be able to see the entire list, like uh, when I told my close friends and family, uh, you know, to keep it a secret. And then um, they would asked me if I knew anyone on the list. And I said, well, I actually don't know. And now to be able to see all of these amazing other uh, 39 people uh, with me here, it really does drive home what an honor it is to be uh, chosen for this because it's a pretty amazing group of people.
1: Yeah. Well, well, Jake, you're in a bit of hot water, quite frankly, my friend, because (laughs) you and I have seen each other in person a couple of times and you did not divulge uh, that you were on this list. So uh, congratulations uh, to you, my friend. Um, We've talked about your story in past. Obviously you've been on the show before talking about your journey as, as an electrician working in oil and gas and, 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 and what led to you, uh, uh, establishing uh, one of Canada's uh, most well-known and most reputable solar installation companies I, I love that your feature in edify and people can read it online uh, starts with that moment you and your now wife on a beach in Costa Rica you've got sand between your toes did you have any idea at that moment that your life was about to change uh,
6: it was a big it was a big risk at the time uh, we were, it was 2015 we we're going into uh, you know a bit of a downturn in the oil industry I was working for an oil provider uh, close to Edmonton here and it was uh yeah kind of had a awakening one of those aha moments um figured yeah, I was 26 at the time so I figured it was uh a good time to you know make a change kind of see it see the change you want to see in your community is a, a saying I've always stood by and uh, obviously renewables and uh bringing up our electricity grid is, a, is somewhere I can make an impact um and uh, yeah, solar was, uh, seemed to be a natural fit and there was uh, a lot of runway ahead of it, uh, in my opinion, and it's kind of coming to fruition now. So, and uh, yeah, just happy to be here again. And I echo uh, the two other uh, 40 under 40 members here that I'm super excited to meet everybody uh, next Tuesday at the at the event.
1: Yeah, I'm, and I'm. I'm going to be there in attendance as well, and really excited to 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 get to know more and more people. One of the one of the beautiful things about you know this roundtable and 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 reading through the the issue itself is you, you kind of you have an opportunity to to endeavor to understand what makes people tick. Uh, you know what has been the the so-called it sounds a bit cliche, but what has been the secret uh, to folks' success? And and one of the things I mean I think about establishing the bar at 40 years of age is, is typically people will look at 40 as as when you kind of hit your you know to be tacky for a second, when you kind of hit your earning years, when your career kind of goes into overdrive, when you're ready to put the pedal to the metal. But oftentimes these top 40 under 40s have already achieved that in big ways. Uh, Dr. Ganguly, for you, when we talk about early influences in life, those formative influences, who was it for you? Who made a really formative impression on you as a young person?
4: So I started my career uh, actually as a as a bench scientist. So I was uh, I, I finished out my Ph.D. in physiology and pathophysiology. So I was really interested in understanding cells and how cells work. So I took that and really was fig- uh, trying to figure out you know cellular physiology. Um, and then one of the things I realized through the course of my uh, academic career is I really love to communicate the science. I loved talking about it, I loved connecting it to people outside of the university. And I was really inspired by this area of technology transfer, which we can talk about. Um, you know, in a minute, but uh, one of the influencers I had was my, my very first boss, his name is Darren Fast, um, and he was the, uh, so he led the technology transfer office out of the University of Manitoba, and he was just such a fantastic individual, and he taught me how to really think about, you know, the science and, and the scientific world, and how do you communicate that to external stakeholders and create really exciting partnerships for the university. So I was really thankful uh, for that first first opportunity to be connected to Darren and I remain inspired by people like him every day.
1: Your 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 whole deal, I mean as people people can go online at, at edifyedmonton.com and read the features on all three of our panelists today and obviously the other 37 as well. Um Rhea, your 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 whole thing really is connection, right? I mean that's 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 kind of the foundation of your entire career and what you do.
4: Yeah, 100% and it it was such a fantastic opportunity to take that interesting love that I had during the course of my PhD and say well how do I do that for a living (laughs) and so to be able to find this world of technology transfer which you know traditionally has really focused in on patenting and licensing activities for universities so you know uh, how do we identify research in a in a laboratory setting that could have commercial potential but you know potentially put a patent around it and license it uh, to an external organization. That was sort of the starting point of technology transfer over the almost decade that I've done this, the the evolution has really been uh, to figure out how we create more exciting partnership with that research. And that part has been so very exciting to participate in. Um, And even in my current role uh, as AVP Enterprise with University of Alberta, that's really a big focus area for, for this position is how do we connect external stakeholders to the great things that are happening within the university, not only in research, but in areas like program development, being connected to Facilities on campus, all kinds of really exciting things hmm. um, to really participate and be a community member, and I get to do this every single day, and that's just been such a joy and a pleasure for me.
1: Hmm. Uh, Dr. Mathani, your 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 follower base. Uh, this is where you may, maybe you blush a little bit. I don't know, but it's it's been skyrocketing, like literally, you know, tens of thousands of people follow you, not just on Twitter, uh, but on Instagram and TikTok as well. And you, you talk about everything from the common cold to, to, to vaccine uh, questions. I, I I was just looking here at a recent post you have there talking about you know three truths about back pain. I mean, you're you're all about communicating science and medicine. It's 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 a high priority for you. Was was this? I mean, obviously you're you're, you're you've been studying medicine for a long time. You've been practicing medicine for a long time but but the whole social media thing it's extra work right it's extra effort was that a covid related uh sort of an onus that you felt was it something related to maybe pushback on the vaccines or questions around the science of of covid restrictions what was it for you that lit that fire
5: i think that certainly started it uh this has been kind of a weird two and a half years where social media has i mean it was already present it was already prominent but it really became the venue for information during the pandemic. And unfortunately that included misinformation too. Um, and so I, my colleagues and I, I know you didn't want me to mention my colleagues in their Ryan, but No, I'm just uh, joking. Many of us really just, <laughs> uh, many of us really just felt compelled to be the scientific and evidence based voices of reason out there at a time where, lots of um, quite misleading misinformation was out there. And so it certainly did start there during the pandemic where I felt that I could lend my expert voice into this uh, massive sea of voices and really just try to provide um, credible and trustworthy information. And then now, uh, you know, I'm certainly not going to say we're done with the pandemic because we're not, but as people are less interested in hearing about it, um, I felt that it was important to continue to use my platform to spread just general health information where, at a time where our acute care system is very stressed. And if there's anything that I can do to help give the public information to keep them out of the ER, I will take time out of my schedule to do that.
1: Mm. Jake, for you, uh, building a business in an emerging technology has got to be obviously an exciting opportunity, probably comes with its own unique challenges though, as well. Uh, What's it been like for you? I mean, you started out as as a journeyman electrician, you decided to get into solar, uh, but then all of a sudden, Obviously, you see an opportunity here to grow a pretty significantly sized company. How do you go from being a, a skilled tradesperson to becoming a skilled entrepreneur and corporate leader that uh, you don't take for granted? That's not something everybody can do.
6: Yeah, I just want to confirm my mic's working good there, Ryan. Yeah, buddy, we can hear you loud and clear. It's better. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, no problem. Great uh, <clears throat> Great question. Uh, you know i surround myself with a lot of very smart people uh, a lot of people that are probably more experienced in business than myself um, and uh, we work here really well as a team i think my biggest strength is putting people together that work well together uh, and we're able to grow as as a unit rather than uh, you know me trying to manage everything in-house so it's uh, i have a great group of managers all very young every one of them could be on this top 40 list for sure um, and i am just happen to be the guy uh, i'm uh, taking the spotlight right
1: now so how do you figure that out was there like it was it for you was it a mentor relationship was it trial and error like how, how did how did you become the leader that you are now
6: yeah i have a, I, I do have some business mentors for sure um a lot of it too is uh, like like mark mark zuckerberg once said uh break things and move quick so um we were you know being being a smaller business to start out uh, being nimble and agile and moving with the times and uh customer service obviously we knew we had to grow around that and making sure uh, especially trying to squash a lot of misinformation around uh, renewables and solar and uh, it's it's never-ending it's good to see the the turning of the tides a little bit um, in regards to just the mass consensus of solar and renewables in general it's uh, people are for it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum anymore uh, has really helped um, so yeah really it's uh you know it's a lot of the time we don't know what we're doing but we know we're doing it really well so it's uh it's kind of one of those
1: yeah uh, dr ganguly we had an interesting conversation with a youtuber uh, by, by the name of quick dick mcDick on the show a few days ago and and, and uh, <laughs> I wish people could see your face you're like oh yeah where's this question going uh, he and I had a, a, a really his pat he's got this real passion it was kind of like what drives him same sort of a deal he's, he works in agriculture he's running a farm he's got he's got a lot on his plate but he he, he pours a, a ton of work a ton of hours into these YouTube videos and he's got a huge reach I mean we're picking his brain on what drives and what drives the creative process and why does he do it. And, and you come to understand the more that you talk to him that he really feels that it's so important for ag to get its story out. And we talked a bit about the beef industry through BSC and how important it was to tell its story. And we understand the importance of storytelling. What you're doing right now in connecting people, this, this idea of tech transfer, I hope we can get into it, Is is it, 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 let's not take for granted that you may have a brilliant researcher but that doesn't necessarily mean that the researcher is a brilliant storyteller, right? So how do you how does that art of connection work? How are you helping people better tell their stories? This is something I would imagine would be applicable to people regardless of what industry they're in.
4: You know, I think that's a really great question. I think there are a number of excellent storytellers in the research realm and often it's it's um, you know, they're doing it in a way that they're they're connecting to specific kinds of audiences. So when we're connecting to an academic audience that may require a different kind of skill set than when we're talking to say someone outside the walls of the university. And so one of the things that, you know, we as an office help to support is how do we, you know, bridge connection between, you know, external stakeholders and their interests. And
1: I think we might've just lost Rhea for a second. I'm sure that we'll get her back. Uh, We still have our two other guests, John, are we still good to go with Dr. Matheny and Jake? Um, Okay, good stuff. Uh, Oh, there you are, doctor. Sorry, you cut out just for a quick second.
4: Oh, I'm so sorry about that. No, no worries. No
1: worries. Did you want to finish your thought?
4: Well, I'm just you know, I think one of the things is that, you know, storytelling does play a really important role there. And I think, you know, our our position really is to help to support and help to tell that story, depending on the audience that we're connecting with.
1: Dr. Matheny, is it it more important now than ever before? I mean, based on your experience in medicine for for practitioners, uh, ER docs and others, uh, to be able to have that storytelling ability? I mean, I I don't take it for granted that that someone that's brilliant in in medicine is going to be a brilliant storyteller, but but I think your storytelling is is one of the reasons why you're on this list. Do you recognize that as a skill set if you're talking to someone in med school or an aspiring physician to be able to develop that ability as part of the skill set?
5: Absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes when any professional really, when they're in their element, they can nerd out very easily over what they can talk about, right? Or what what their what their area of expertise is. But it's really the storytelling that helps to connect just with the broader public. Like not everybody knows the nuances of um, what happens in the lung during COVID, even for example. But uh, anyone can identify with the story of, you know, a young child that's coming in uh, with an earache for several days or um, you know somebody's coming in with a heart attack because a lot of people can just be able to identify whether it's themselves their friends or their family members I think that storytelling is just a way to be able to to have that human connection and kind of get past all of the uh, the noise of of the perhaps things that people don't want to know about or, or don't understand as well it's just a way to kind of have that connection and also, to use that storytelling to get the information out that we want to uh, to the broader public.
1: Hmm. Jake, you talk to anybody in sales and, and obviously one of the really important skills you've got to have is answering objections uh, through, through, through the tenure of your career in solar. How have the objections evolved like, I, I, th- I think back to sort of early stages and people would, you know, people would talk about, wow, in the winter, the solar panels aren't going to work. So what's the point? Or it may have been prohibitively expensive 10 years ago, or the battery storage systems may have not been where people expected them to be. A lot of that has evolved with regards to tech. And, and, and we know that for a fact. What do you hear on, on the side of, of potential customers? And what are, the, what are the sticking points that people have right now?
6: Yeah, like we're still getting calls every day. But right now, this time of season for snowfall, um, you know, we can't tell people enough that it's not a big deal uh, in regards to the snowfall. Um, I'm also, we're finding too now that uh, we're kind of past the early adopter stage of solar, in my opinion. So usually some one of our new customers who's getting solar usually has knows somebody who has solar where um, they can bat ideas off of. Uh, previously, when uh, you're the first person in your group of friends doing something new, you're the... You're, you're the guinea pig for lack of better words in regards to uh trying out the new technology um you know you, you're the one who has to ask all the questions so now we're, we're seeing more educated questions coming at us um people are more interested in the technology versus if it works or not um which we appreciate uh, on the professional side um but yeah it's uh i remember going to a, a trade show in 2015 and we got a lot of snarls and uh people kind of throwing shame at us. And now it's uh, now there's lines of people wanting to chat with us in, in, in a positive light. So it's, uh, the, the whole mindset around it has changed, which is which is awesome to see.
1: Well, and it's interesting to see like sort of traditional uh, old school, you know, multi-billion dollar oil and gas entities investing in sustainable or renewable energy right now. Uh, it's also interesting to see kind of the government side of it and, and some of the subsidies. And and obviously, everybody knows that Kubi Energy is a sponsor of Real Talk. And so we've talked a lot about the Canada Greener Homes Grant, that $40,000 interest-free loan. Uh, let me ask you a question. Where do you believe government needs to be involved uh, to to kickstart interest or, or buy-in uh, here in the context of solar, but we could talk about a thousand different things. And at what point do you think an industry needs to sink or swim on its own?
6: Yeah, like, uh, you know, my fellow competitors in the market might hate me for saying this, but I think you can over-incentivize an industry. I think we've uh, we've touched that at certain points along the our life cycle here as a business. Um, I think the greener homes for $40,000 interest-free loan is a great timing in regards to where interest rates are going, cost of living, energy pricing, like that is, uh, I think, a very well-run program. Just in regards to how they rolled it out, it's not a grant; it's a loan, but it's an interest-free loan. So, it's uh, it's a good program. I think giving people um, over incentivized over incentivizing people creates a false narrative in regards to what things cost in reality. So, when grants go away. There's a bit of a sticker shock that uh, the public has, has to adjust to prior to continuing on in that industry. Um, so I think I think we're in a good place right now in regards to the Fed, the federal government handling it. Um, obviously, uh, we're a beneficiary of any grants that come along, so we're happy to uh, see them come. But uh, I think I think the industry uh, can stand on its own now without any. Uh, government
1: subsidies. Yeah, I think that's always a, that's always a, an interesting mile marker to, to observe with any industry. It, always interesting to see when when the rubber hits the road, how does the general public, what's the uptake look like? Um, Dr. Ganguly, I want to start with you, and I wanted to ask all three of you this question. When you take a look at the world around you, it can be in the context of, of your specific profession, your specific role, you as an associate vice president at a university here in Alberta, uh, or, you know, bigger picture. What's a trend that you see emerging? Or what's a change that you're observing in the world around you? And what are you doing about it? Let me ask you first, Ria. Yeah,
4: I think for me, one of the things that really drives me every day, the thing that makes me really excited is, this opportunity to start to work together on, on grand challenges and, and be collaborative in that space. You know, often when we're thinking about these big challenges, whether that be energy security or agriculture, or other areas, health and life sciences, we're often thinking about these in siloed spaces. But one of the things I've been privileged to observe in, the, in my career is this opportunity to come together. So post-secondaries connecting in with companies, connecting in with governments, connecting in with community, thinking together around how do we solve of these challenges and how do we come together to do so and you know one of the things i've been also privileged to do is in the last year i, I served an organi- organization called edmonton global um, and their role really is focused in on foreign direct investment into the edmonton region so helping to bring the edmonton region to an international stage And through that course, I observed that when we come together, even in that regional context, so Edmonton Global supports 14 municipalities, uh, so the city of Edmonton along with 13 other municipalities, what a great way to demonstrate how this region can participate and really compete in a global market when it comes to areas like energy, when it comes to areas like agriculture, when it comes to areas like health and life sciences. So for me, it's it's not even one specific challenge; mm. it's many challenges. And I think one of the things well, one of the things I love doing and where I think you know I can play a role is bringing the uh, the players together, really supporting that opportunity for collaboration and coming together uh, to help um, these big challenges.
1: Dr. Mathani, I bet you could spend the next six hours talking to us about changes that you see in the world around you. I mean, healthcare, medicine, geez. I mean, where do you want to start, right? But, but what immediately comes to mind for you? What's one change uh, in the world around you that you're observing and what are you doing about it?
5: Um, I think it's where people are getting their health information from. Mm-hmm. So, we have seen over the last uh, couple of years, I mean, there was always the, you know, Dr. Google and WebMD, but what I have really seen, even in the last one to two years, is that people are looking to social media platforms to get their health information. Um, and, you know, hopefully they're going to their doctors as well, but it's just so easy. It's at your fingertips to be able to scroll videos on TikTok, on Instagram, um, scroll, you know, your feed on Twitter. And so, Uh, I think that it's an important uh, niche for my colleagues and I to recognize that and to to use our voices uh, to get on social media, which is what I'm doing now with these videos, just to try to get out there and educate people, because if that's where they're going to look, then it's important for the experts to have a voice and a space in that area so that we can continue to provide um, useful, helpful, and accurate information. One of the other things from a social media standpoint um, is just, you know, there's this I think misconception uh, that it's a very isolated place, and it certainly can be, but one thing that I myself have experienced over the last couple of years being more active on social media is just the level of collaboration that is there. I mean, there are multiple colleagues and experts of mine where we just bounce ideas off of each other. Um, there are people that I didn't even know before that I'm now regularly collaborating with on, on, online and offline. Uh, we're tagging each other in posts. We're sharing each other's content, and just trying to amplify the scientific information out there. And so, um, I think as as much as social media does have a very negative side to it, and I'm certainly not going to deny that. I think that it's important for us to recognize that it is the way of the future, the present, and the future, and that there are ways that we can harness that and to, and collaborate and use it for for positive going forward.
1: How do you handle the haters, Doc?
5: Um, I usually do a quick scroll and see if there's anyone like I I will engage with some, to Mm -hmm. be honest. I mean, if there's someone that is being um, contrary to what I'm saying, but is doing it in a respectful way, I will try to give them one or two chances to engage with them. And there have been situations where there is respectful dialogue that takes place. If it's anyone that's being uh, abusive, um, I I'm not shy to either mute or block them. Mm -hmm. Now I used to take it a lot more personally, but as, um, as the following is grown, and as um, as people are getting more passionate about their their views, uh, I also have to protect my own mental health. and so I usually just scroll past them and I'm not shy to. To block them or take them off my feed Nah, that's
1: self-preservation my friend yeah i love that you kept it classy as people get more passionate about their views that's one way to put it uh hey jake uh what what's what's one change you're observing in the world around you uh i mean i suspect i, I might know where you're going to take this but maybe you'll surprise us and what are you doing about it
6: yeah like uh i see things getting more expensive i see uh the energy markets uh, changing rapidly um you know the ontake of electric vehicles has been uh, exciting to watch. As a original Tesla owner, it's uh, cool to see more than one on the road now. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're, here at Kubi, we just really try and make things affordable for people. We try and uh, you know, and if, and, and if the side, the, the end product is saving money and, and greening up your uh, your your life, then. Uh, then that's a win. So we're just trying to, uh, we have a lot of work to do. You you drive around the city and uh, there's a lot of houses and a lot of businesses that don't have renewable energy products on their buildings. And uh, this is the way we need to go. And uh, it's a simple step for most people to save money and as well as lower their carbon footprint. So uh, we're we're seeing that change happen in real time. And and, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting.
1: Uh, a guy by the name of Dwayne is on our live chat wondering if you sell portable solar panels. This sounds like I'm teeing you up for an advertisement, but, but I, but I do think you're, this Kubi cube uh, that you've developed is, is, is pretty cool. You want to tell Dwayne about that real quick?
6: Yeah, it's a, it's an off-grid product for, uh, all sorts of industries. We customize them, we build them in 20 foot containers and we ship them all over Western Canada for, uh, all sorts of customers. Um, yeah, it's essentially, uh, a grid in a box. We like to call it where, uh we can deploy them pretty quickly and uh, you don't need to burn fossil fuels or bring power to your house. So we're kind of focusing on, uh, more of a turnkey solution than than a traditional way of going about it with uh, batteries and and installing everything
1: on site. So. Yeah, they're super cool. I'm actually showing people right now. They can check on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. The Kubi Cube. You can check out Kubi Energy on Instagram and, and see what they look like. It's a pretty neat off-grid solution that can be dropped anywhere. Um, just one of the innovative things that you're doing, uh, Jake. It's amazing to see you, uh, Dr. Mathani. Wonderful to see you as well, and, and and Dr. Ganguly, So cool to meet you for the first time. I'm looking forward to connecting with all three of you next week uh real talkers if you want to be part of this you want to pick the brains of some of the uh, most prominent movers and shakers in the Metro Edmonton region. You go to edifyedmonton.com you can read more about their features. This is the Top 40 Under 40 and of course you can also join us at this event. It goes uh, as mentioned next week Tuesday November 8th at the stunningly beautiful Windspear Center in Sir Winston Churchill Square uh, doors at 515 the award ceremony at 630 you can get your tickets. Uh, it includes a, a formal program and of course a reception with hors d'oeuvres as well. Uh, we're going to be giving Real Talkers an opportunity to 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 win your way in to the top 40, under 40 reception presented by Edify. Keep an eye on our official Twitter account at Real Talk RJ later today, and you'll find the instructions there to qualify. Shazman Withnani, Rhea Ganguly, Jake Kubiski, mad respect to the three of you. Keep it up, and I'm looking forward to when our paths cross in person. Thanks, Jesmo. Yeah, you bet. Congratulations to the three of you. It's uh, such an exciting time and very well-deserved. Of course, there are 37 others on this list, and we offer our congratulations yeah. to them as well. We encourage you to check it out.
2: I love, I love when you have people on doing more than me, reminding me how much. Why do you more keep I saying this every sing, every single
1: day? Because <laughs> it's inspiring. Every single day he inspires me. you. You have this sort of self deprecating <laughs> joke that you okay, try out. Go. People, I'll let need, it go. people need to understand. <laughs> I mean, you know, it you is could, a joke. You could easily be on yeah. this list, and one I of know my that, friends
2: is on the list. Is he, that right? Yeah. So he runs uh, Old Red Barn. What's he, his name? Uh, his name is Matt sure right so on. yeah, give him a shout out, he's in there for the first time, him and his wife won a very um, eco-safe farm, which is also a wedding venue, wow. so you come to the wedding venue, and you can, I, I did a wedding there a, uh, a few months ago this summer, and you can interact with the animals uh, during the wedding, it's not like a petting zoo or something, they're obviously <laughs> fenced off, but it's just an amazing, I would call it a picturesque Alberta wedding experience is what wow. they're providing, yeah, so.
1: Yeah, it's great, man. I'm looking through the list and, and obviously there's uh, I looked through
2: it this morning. It's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean people do not and, and, and the the part I like about how Edify does this is it's not like who are the forty richest people under forty mm. or, or they just don't they don't just go through and be like who where are the forty CEOs? That we want to feature. There's people that are working in social justice. There's people that are working in the arts. There's people. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. You expect to see a bunch of like CEOs or people who make apps or whatever. It's really it's it varies. It's there's a lot of. But it's like, how do we define success? Right?
1: How do you define success? And how do you define uh, you know someone's ability or or how do you how do you tangibly express someone's ability to inspire others? Mm -hmm. It's not always just about who's driving the biggest profit. Producing businesses. That's exactly. not what it's all about, no, right? Not at all. So I encourage you to check it out edifyedmonton.com And if you, if you flip through the paper copy, wait a second, what's the wait, what is this on the inside back? Co- what is this beautiful? Cla- hey, what is this? An advertisement <laughs> at seriouslypod.com for a national podcast making sense of this week's news in Canada, co hosted by Sapria Devetti in Toronto and Jesperson here in Edmonton. Uh, we're proud to partner with Edify on this and congratulations to the top 40 under 40. Real Talk, in partnership with Local Environmental Services, every Friday presents Trash Talk, and that's coming up in just a second. But first, we want to remind you that this is a great time to check out Eden Landscaping online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Ryan, why would I do that, you ask? My yard is completely covered in snow and ice. Well, friend, I'm glad you asked, because I want to remind you that a lot of times when you bring an outdoor space to life, there's a lot that goes into it, like pulling real property reports and drafting the plans. The landscape architects got to get at it. They've got to order the materials that are going to set your project apart from the one that your neighbors did next door. You want yours to be just a little bit sexier? Mike and his team can do that, but it takes time. So today's a perfect day to reach out, contact them, get the ball rolling at landscapeedmonton.ca You know what it's also a perfect time for? It's a perfect time for loading up your freezer with dilly bars, dairy-free dilly bars, buster bars, treats of pizzas, blizzard cakes, and the like from the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. John, what do we have in front of us? We've got some new promo for the DQ. It's the Caramel
2: Mocha chip shake and something I don't know if you're, are you a score guy? Oh yeah. Yeah, so I knew you'd be into this the new score, caramel brownie Cupfection.
1: The Cupfection. I'm going to go on the record and say that Score is one of the more underrated candy bars out there.
2: It's a very mature chocolate bar.
1: It's for the refined <laughs> chocolate enthusiast.
2: I can see this sitting on your uh, dashboard this Sunday and a picture being taken.
1: Hey, <laughs> in ask and ye Mark shall Mark. receive. <laughs> i am probably go to my home Dairy Queen. That's the one at Westmount, but I may also check out the Dairy Queens at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, and in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road. They've just got a facelift out there, by the way. Beautiful location. Shout out to the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Also, a big shout out to everybody who took the time to send us an email this week. Uh, a couple of you had things you got to get off your chest. I've already teed up Kevin's a little bit earlier. We poked a little bit of fun at it. Kevin, no offense. It was just an opportunistic moment. But uh, I promised I'd get into your full email as we roll out in partnership with local environmental services. A little something we call trash talk. Oh, Yeah. Are you trying to test me, John? <laughs> you trying to test the old pipes? Uh, so Kevin writes in on November 1st, and he says, Jespo, listening to your talk about Halloween costumes, it got me thinking. Now, I'm not a Christian, but I do wonder why people seem to think it's okay to dress up in parodies of religious leaders. For people, uh, that religion is an important part of their identity, and this pushes them away. And I do think that there are thousands of possible costume ideas. Why do we have to use it as an attack? intentional or otherwise on a group of people I understand that many do not think highly of different organized religions but that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk to those who believe John would you like to comment on this email I'm gonna stay out of this one John what did you dress up as for Halloween this year mm, I was several things I was John this top gun John is this on, John, was, is this uh... on? <coughs> father father Hicks. Father Hicks calling I was a priest yeah And one this night. one from Rob who says I've taken it from Rainier about 20 minutes south of Brooks Shout out to Rainier Alberta He says the Brooks Chamber of Commerce Just hosted a forum for the candidates And Brooks Medicine had this by-election And I was able to watch a live stream And I just thought I would share some thoughts Rob, it's music to our ears He says I think that Daniel Smith Represents everything wrong with politics today And I do think we're worse off as a province For having her uh, as a big part of it Let alone as Premier Jespo, I don't like her even a little bit However, after watching that forum She came across, hate to say it as the only legitimate candidate that could actually bring something to the table. She spent every minute of her time talking about real policy, tangible plans on how to enact those policies. Now, whether or not I agreed or thought it was even realistic is a different story. The point is, if I knew nothing about any of these candidates and I was making my decision based on the forum, there would be no decision to make. Daniel Smith, obviously the only candidate that had any semblance of a platform or a plan. The other candidates, the guy from Alberta Independence Party, uh, I don't know. The Wildrose Independence Party, uh, I don't know. The NDP candidate was a joke, says Rob. I've never been an NDP supporter, but I thought her showing was profoundly disappointing. No policy, just a plethora of vague nothingness. Healthcare is critically important education is very important true but bring substance to the table and Barry Morishita Jespo you talk about him leader of the Alberta party I really like him he seems reasonable like a person who has the ability to do some real good but from his performance I don't know if you'd ever guess he was the leader of a party you'd never guess he was recently the mayor of the city that the forum was taking place in much like his party he seemed to lack direction I'm afraid that the party and Barry are suffering from the old mushy middle syndrome, says Rob. So at the end of the day, I want this by-election to be a close one. I want to see competition between multiple parties, but I'm afraid that Premier Smith is going to walk away from this without ever having thought twice about her strategy. I want the opposition parties to compete. This province needs real, multifaceted competition, says Rob. So there's my rant. I love the show. I've been following you since the godforsaken talk radio days. You're what I listen to every morning when I feed my cattle. If you're ever down south, let me buy you a beer. Rob, I accept. And thanks for contributing to this week's edition of Trash Talk, presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. You can go to localenvironmental.ca today to get your quote. Coming up on Monday's show, of course, Charles Adler's back at it, and we've got a great slate set up. In the meantime, over the course of this weekend, make sure you tell your friends where you're finding Canada's best dialogue on news, politics, and pop culture. Smash the like button, rate our podcast Please, and we'll see you again in just a couple of days.
0: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Randy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harman Kandola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta, on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.